Yeah, I thought today would be great just as we start tomorrow to kind of have the quarterbacks available for you. So we'll have um, Kyle, uh, Devin, and Tristan here. Lincoln, as a freshman, we'll let him take a pass on the first time around. But he's done a great job, um, you know, just coming in and kind of getting, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to take a snap just, you know, with the guys out there when, um, you know, they're out there working and, and throwing on their own. But, um, but, but he's doing a good job. But, but all three of these guys have done a great job this summer. Um, and you know, they're gonna, they're gonna battle it out. You know, it starts, uh, well, it started in the spring. It continued throughout the summer. And now here we are, uh, first, first day of spring or, um, you know, summer practice starting tomorrow. So, uh, those guys will be here for you. You guys can, can chat with them and, and then we'll just take a few questions here. All right. We'll open up, uh, over here to the right. Don Tiberi, WDNS. Coach, I know you've been asked a lot about the quarterback situation. You had hoped to have a starter name coming out of spring ball. That didn't happen. Do you have in your mind when you want to have someone named, and do you see a scenario where two guys might play? You know, you, know, you just never know how, it, how it's all going to shake. We've had this situation before. We kind of mentioned this last week a little bit where, um, you know, we had with going back with CJ, going back with Justin, uh, Dwayne, uh, where you know, after the first couple of weeks of uh, fall practice, you know, we, we felt like somebody emerged, and then we went with 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 um, you know, with the starter, but that that evaluation continued into the season. Remember that first year with CJ? It was you know after, into the third game, he kind of had that sh- that shoulder issue, and then uh, Kyle played in that game, and then CJ went back in. So um, you just never know how things are going to go. But in an ideal world, you'd love to have somebody emerge after the first week or two, and um, you know, we usually have that scrimmage on that that second week on that Saturday, and usually have a pretty good feel. I remember when I was playing college uh, football and we had a, um, a competition between me and somebody uh, who was a couple years ahead of me and it went all the way down to that last scrimmage and then it kind of went into those first few games and um, you know I was named the starter and, and then and they continued to be the starter but um, you know so every situation is different but again if you're asking for an ideal situation you'd love for, again for somebody to merge here the first couple weeks and then they're taking the majority of the reps with the ones as you head into the game week a little departure here, but there seems to be this drumbeat about expansion. Can you tell us what you know or hear about the Big Ten possibly adding teams in the not-too-distant future? Um, I don't know. Uh, you may know more than me. Um, you know, you hear different things going on out there, and, and certainly I know the Big Ten um, you know, wants to position themselves well in the future. Um, by adding USC and UCLA, it's become a national, you know, coast to coast conference. And I know that, um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're, um, you know, in the next decade conference in America. That, that's all I know. Um, you know, and I know that there's rumors out there, but that's all. I think there will just be one, two, or three conferences, maybe two in the, in the not too distant future. I mean, you're starting to see conferences become a lot bigger than they ever have, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's like you know tomorrow's the first day of practice and football and and that's kind of where my focus is right now. But but you're right, every year it just changes so much. It's sometimes it's hard to to grab onto. Hey folks, I'm going to ask if uh, just coming off of media day last Wednesday, if we could, uh, I'd like to keep it to just one question per because I've got like 25 people that already want to ask uh, today. So let's go uh, one and done, and if we can squeeze a couple more in at the end, we'll do that. Kelly X hits uh, WSYX. 
Um, you guys added the Northwestern transfer in Ohio media, Nigel Clover. What does he add to the program, and is it likely he'll take a red shirt? Yeah, so I, I think by NCAA rules, I can't um, talk about any type of situation like that with NCAA, NCAA rules. So um, before I comment on that, I want to make sure that I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, Bill Landis, the podcast. Uh, Brian, do you remember how many weeks into your first season of UNH that that battle carried out before you were named? I think it was three weeks in. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that uh, last couple of days. I think it, it went all the way to that last scrimmage, that, that third week. Yeah. And then into the season as well, or... or yeah, and then I, I got named the um, the starter for the first game, and then I just it kind of went from there, and, and um, you know uh, never looked back really. I just want like because you've gone through not a, not every head coach that has to make a decision like this has actually gone through it and, right. as a player. I'm just wondering maybe how that informs your decision making process as it, you make the choice. Like yeah, it, it does. Um, I think that's part of the position just in general of, of quarterback. There's so many things that come with it, and when you've gone through it, not at this level, but um, you know, still playing college football and, and being around the position, um, there's so much that goes with it. And you don't know until you're actually in a game. I mean, to sit here and say we went into that Minnesota game with CJ saying that, you know, he was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist in two years and, or, you know, one year for, for the next two years, uh, I, that, that wasn't true. You know, shoot, after the first half, I was like, I don't know what's, you know, but you, you just kind of figure it out and you keep growing and you, and you keep building. Um, you know, everybody's different. All those guys are different. Um, you know, I think with I'm just thinking about since we've been here with Dwayne, Dwayne was in a couple of situations, you know, the rivalry game, you know, we kind of knew a little bit what you had going into the season. Justin Fields, a totally different situation. I hadn't played a lot of football, but we knew he had a really high ceiling. Um, you know, these guys are a little bit different. The good thing about both of these guys is they've been in the, the system for a little while. So, um, you know, Kyle is into year three and, and Devin into his second year. So that's good. They know the system, um, but now they have to go play. And, um, you know, when do you really know? Once you start playing games. But I think that's that's part of it is is playing the position, coaching the position, and just, you know, seeing things in practice that you're projecting to say, okay, we think that based on what we're seeing in practice that they're going to do well in the games. If you don't know until the game starts, can you envision a scenario where you don't make a choice and you play them both the first few weeks? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I can, yeah. I mean, some somebody has to emerge to be the starter for sure, yeah. And and if you don't know, then, then you just keep pushing forward. I'd like to, for somebody to step up and for that to happen, but you just don't know. And, shoot, I mean, you know, Joe broke his hand that one year. You know, I mean, there's, there's things happen. You just you think about the year that the national championship was won here. It took all three guys. So the message to that room is going to be that we need to be the best quarterback room in the country. And whoever the whoever's playing on the field, the other three guys need to support him, and they need to keep pushing each other to be the best room. And right now, that's the focus. Uh, right behind Bill, Cameron Teague Robinson, the athletic. Ryan, at the end of the spring game, you mentioned how much better the secondary had to end that spring. balls more. What do you need to see from that group this in fall camp to see that they're taking that next step? Yeah, it, it, it's continued into the summer. Just the competitiveness. A lot of the stuff that Mick's been, been doing in the offseason is all about competition. And um, whatever it's been, whether it's a, a shuttle or – uh, lifting weights it's it's about competition it's about competing and it's it's the same thing with the with the dbs is competing on the perimeter making tackles getting their hands on balls i mean that, that's what it comes down to and if we're competitive if we're fierce against but everything we've seen so far is is very encouraging right next door 
Bollard, Clemson dispatch. Ryan, on this whole quarterback decision, how much of this is uh, eyeball test and gut versus analytics and getting into the minutia of mechanics? And where do you where do you ultimately make that? Decision? Yeah, uh, I think it's probably uh, the first part, but we do have we're going to chart everything. We're going to chart one on ones. We're going to chart seven on seven. We're going to chart competitive uh, teamwork. Um, you know, all of that. We're going to chart drives, you know, turnovers. So that part is kind of the analytics part of it. And then, like you said, there's the eyeball test of just what do you see, you know, when, when someone, you know, walks in the huddle or before a drive or, you know, on that third and three or in the red zone when the game's on a line, you know, what's that going to look like? Because to me, that's that's where quarterbacks are at their best. You know, when, when you have to win the game, they're the most competitive guy on the field. And I think where we got – you know, Dwayne, I think about like all the way in that Maryland game where he had to really go win the game with his feet. You think about the Clemson game with Justin when he took that hit and came back and throw six touchdown passes or just the way that, that CJ attacked that last game against Georgia. Like, that's what we want. We want the most competitive guy on the field. And like you said, I can't sit here and tell you like there's, this, there's a certain statistic or analytic that we can say, yes, this is going to be our guy. Um, and so we'll just keep working towards it. Tony Griffin, Buckeye Huddle. Ryan, uh, how does the battle for the scout team quarterback shake out, and what did Lincoln give you there? Yeah, I think he can really help us, especially with some of the quarterbacks we see that uh, are more athletic. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to go through, you know, a, a drill with a quarterback that maybe can't disconnect, but when you're reading a defensive end or you're scrambling or those type of things, to have somebody who really um, – can mimic what the other quarterback's going to do. That that's that's really good. It's just it's different. You know the the guys in the back end have to cover a little longer. You know the guys you know have to pursue a little bit more. Um, you know you got to cage the pocket a little bit. So all those things was going to happen this year. But you know if it plays out the way we think it might, Lincoln will have a great opportunity to go against our defense and grow and learn. But you know I'll I'll be surprised if he also doesn't have a chance to get in the game this year and get his feet wet. So. We'll see, but yeah, to your point, I think that's going to be a weapon for us. Nathan Barrett, Cleveland.com. You talked before about, I guess you were just kind of alluding to this, you said before that driving the offense for points is being like the crucial part of this evaluation, but as you're just saying, you know, like with CJ last year, there's maybe a, a higher standard for doing those sorts of things under duress. Is is it just things on a football field that you've been evaluating for a couple of years to make that decision, or... Are there things you're learning about these guys as people that practice with that? And can you kind of explain like what that is? Yeah, no, I, the big part of it is who they are as people, what's going on off the field, what's going on in the locker room. Because, you know, those guys have to believe in the quarterback. And that's a huge part of it. And um, it starts in the weight room. You guys have heard me talk about that before with Mick. And uh, the guys see the work that's put in. They see the leadership, you know, the ability to stand up in front of a group of guys and project and talk to them and lead them and, those all, all matter. Um, I mean, we put that in front of the group in competitive situations to see who's going to win. And, and the team has to believe in the quarterback. And like you said, it's not all on the field, but certainly ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Front row, Joey Coffin on this dispatch. Ryan, just on the other side of the ball, uh, we'll talk to Jim tomorrow about it too, but the Jack, the, the Jack is from something you guys shelved in the spring. Um, and, and now Mitchell Melton being back and sort of, well, I guess, been at full strength. Where does that fit into the picture? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, you know, as camp goes on, we'll start to go back into 
to that um, you know personnel grouping and, and see how it plays out. I, the number one thing is you know we've talked about this is that you, know, you want to put your guys in the best position to be successful. And so if we think that the jack will give us something, we have like three or four guys that we think would be really good at the jack position. We'll do that. Um, and so you know he'll he'll kind of talk through that with the defensive staff. And as we get you know through the first week or two, then we'll start diving into that. But it's um, it's certainly a package that that brings a lot of. Um, you know, confusion to the defense, and it's a little bit different in terms of the fits. So it gives us something, but at the same time, we want to make sure it's the right mix. Uh, Austin Moore, rivals, nodding the eyes. Uh, Brian, it seemed like most of the injuries and stuff that you were monitoring in spring were guys were going to be ready to go by training camp. Are there any that will limit any that will carry over or limit some guys at all at the start of camp? And if not, how does that change competitions with? Having Evan back or Jacob James, like it's different than the spring. Yeah. And how long could those last? We keep talking about the quarterback. Those right. are battles too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we're at full strength, so um, you know we'll. It's a big part of the preseason is is getting the work you need, getting guys ready, but keeping them healthy and getting ready for that first game. But um, guys have worked hard to rehab to get to where we are, so uh, we feel good about that. Uh, yeah. Now we're at full strength. I mean, we're four deep now, and. Um, a lot of areas and so you know we'll be able to at times you know go two fields where we can get you know uh, reps on one field reps on another instead of trying to get four groups in um, that'll allow us to get you know double the amount of reps in in less time so um, yeah there's a lot more guys and and that means a lot more competition and and like you said now um, where you may have had one other guy your position now you're gonna have you know four at the running back position five so that's always good. It's always good to have competition in there, and um, and that's what this whole offseason about has been about competing. So we'll keep you know pushing that that message forward. Gabe Bell, twenty four seven sports. Why don't you talk about this a little bit at Big Ten Media Days, rotating, but maybe like, using your best guys yeah. more in big games when the games on the line. Can you expound on that a little bit? Maybe how your conversations with Larry went with that. Yeah, well, I think we have they can you know handle a lot more reps. Um, now we still have a long season to play, but. Uh, it, it typically comes down to how many guys do you think can play at starter level, and those guys will play. But I think the D line that we have, these guys can handle more volume than maybe in the past. So um, you know, we'll we'll see how the younger guys develop. I mean, it's always good to have a, you know more guys who can play in a game that you feel good putting in the game to rotate a little bit. But these guys can handle more, and I think you'll see them in there more. Stephen Means, Cleveland.com. When you first got here, you had a goal of turning Ohio State's quarterback corner. You want the expectation of the highest trophy final this first round draft picks, and your three quarterbacks into that. You've done that. Does that all build on the expectation of who comes next, and maybe how you go about evaluating quarterbacks, whether it's in the recruiting trail or when you're going through a quarterback battle? Does it all add pressure to who comes next after that? Yeah, I mean, it's you, you can say it doesn't, but I think it does. Yeah, the expectations and standards are very high here. Um, but that's at every position. But but yeah, I mean, the guys that, that have come before have done an unbelievable job. Um, so yeah, that is the expectation. You know, we should be, you know, playing for a national championship. We should be, you know, Heisman Trophy finalists and a first round draft pick. That's that's been the standard set, and we got to keep building on that. So, um, but what jumps out is that this doesn't happen just because you know you're the quarterback at Ohio State doesn't mean that all those things are going to happen. Um, it takes a lot of hard work. It, it takes, you know, a lot of um, production on the field. You know, you got to go put it on the field. It isn't just going to happen. And I think these guys understand that. But, but yeah, I mean, anytime you're going to be the quarterback at Ohio State, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, Dan Holt, Lemon Warriors. Ryan, 
seems like you guys have kind of you know, narrowed your pool a little bit in recruiting in terms of who you're focusing on and maybe getting a little bit more aggressive in terms of bringing guys in through the transfer portal. Has there been a shift in philosophy there at all this year? Um, it's just now that um, there's more people in the transfer portal and it's um, you know a lot easier for people to go in and out of the portal. You know, some for some of our guys who decided that you know they wanted to maybe try to go play somewhere else. You know, so there's there's a lot more movement, and so with that, there's just the more availability, and um, there's sometimes more holes you have to fill. And so, you know, we just try to make sure we don't change our philosophy. In that, we want to find guys who fit Ohio State. You can't just throw guys in here; it's just not going to work. And so, I think we found a nice group. They've assimilated well, um, and, and hopefully. But the guys we brought in, we've done pretty good, pretty well with, and, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, but there's a lot of pride in that locker room, so bringing somebody in, you know, you have to be be careful about that, you know. So, Andy Anders, Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Uh, yes, obviously the evaluation with uh, Brian Hartline and calling plays is still ongoing. But looking back on your first year's calling plays at Temple at Boston College, what things were important in those summers and falls to get you ready to uh, embrace that role effectively? Yeah, I've said it before. I think probably the easiest part of being a coordinator is calling the plays. You know, if you are listing the, that's that's pretty low. Uh, it's really about the day to day organization. It's about deciding what plays you're going to install. It's about organizing your staff to make sure that they install it properly. It's about organizing practice to make sure that every you know moment on that field is being done the way that you want it. Then watching the film and making the corrections. Uh, identifying, you know, where, you know, your best players are. Um, and, and then when you get into a game, so training guys to be ready to put them up, you have to get prepared for. Then um, then there's the game planning, you know, making sure that, you know, you have the right plays in, making sure that you've installed it the right way, that you practice it the right amount of times, the right looks. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I made a mistake, you know, plenty of times going into a game where you're practicing defenses maybe you didn't see. You didn't prepare the guys properly. So yeah, I could go on for hours about all the things that come with being an offensive coordinator. The sheet, it's good enough to call. Now, there is an art to it, and there's, there's um, adjustments in game that have to be made, but it's all the other things that, that come with being a coordinator. And so I was fortunate enough to have really good guys around me that helped me with that. And, you know, Brian's doing a really good job for the first time, you know, in the first few months of doing that. And, um, and now this is his first preseason going through it. Um, and the more he can do of that, then certainly allows me more opportunity to move around the program and do more. Second row left, Steve Hellwagon, 24 Sports. Yeah, Coach. Uh, secondary, you know, has gotten a lot of attention, and you added a couple transfers there. Uh, just uh, I know that uh, Carter was injured a little bit in the spring, but uh, is the hope that you have that kind of competition at every all five of those spots going in and what you're feeling about what the, that'll look like. Yeah, uh, I think the corner position will be very competitive, but Denzel Burke has had a great offseason, so we're uh, we're expecting to, you know, him to have some of his best football this this fall. Jordan Hancock's had a great offseason, um, but, but Davison and uh, Lorenzo and Calvin and Jermaine and Jair, I mean, they, you know, again, a lot of depth there, so very competitive. Um, but then also at the, at the three safety positions as well. So, uh, you know, Lathan um, is the incumbent there at the what we call the Bandit, and um, you know, but Jair and Proc and Willie Carford's had a great off season. Um, you know, you're going to see a bunch of guys in there, and 
And then, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how the nickel position, you know, um, competition, you know, gets sorted out as we get into that, cl- that first game. You know, we hit, Tanner did a lot of that for us last year, and that's an important position for us. Bill Rabinowitz, Columbus Dispatch. Eventually, you will name a starting quarterback. Um, but how close do you think you are right now, and how close do you need to be to have either one of those guys? No, I think it's a great question because – you know, I remember a, f- a couple years back when we had uh, a pretty loaded wide receiver or a quarterback room. You know, I think we had Jack and we had CJ and I think we had Quinn and Devin came in. It was it was a it was a busy room. And I remember someone said, "Boy, you got a you know really hard decision. It's gonna be really hard on you." And I, well, what's hard is when you don't have quarterbacks who can play. You know, what's easy is is when you have guys who can play. You just got to figure out who the best one is. Um, and I, and I kind of feel like that's the way it is right now. But. Um, to say that they're ready to play right now, I, I don't know. I mean, we got to jump into this practice and figure out where we are in the first couple of weeks. But, um, I mean, I have a feeling that, you know, both guys are going to be, you know, starter level um, right away. I don't know. Halfway through the season, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how the journey is going to go. But, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have if you have a couple guys that you feel like you can put into a game and can go play. Um, but we're, we're not there right now, you know, and um, you just don't know how it's going to shake. So, Maurice, the podcast. This is a logistical <clears throat> pre-question. Early in camp, will Devin and Kyle split the reps with the ones as you continue to figure this out? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, I saw someone say that the most one of the most important relationships in the building is between the play caller and the quarterback. As you, as Brian works into this and however this transition goes, uh, what do you want your relationship with the starting quarterback especially to be potentially in a world where maybe you aren't calling the plays on Saturday? How, how, how much do you want to stay connected or need to stay connected to that starting quarterback? Yeah, I think it's critical that I stay connected in all of that because I think you're, you're exactly right. You know, however we, we end up calling the plays or not, it, what matters is what the quarterback knows and how it's all tied in together. And so uh, if we're all talking the same length, why something's being called and, and all those things, and that's why, you know, I, I have to be in those meetings and will be in those meetings, um, you know, throughout the whole season. That's, that's, to your point, to me, the most important thing. Because when you call a play, the quarterback should know exactly why are you calling the play. You know, we're calling it to take a shot. We're calling it to get a completion. We're calling it because we're expecting – you know, whatever. And that takes a lot of work in the meeting room. It takes a lot of preparation. And so that's a part that I will I will be involved with. And just a clarifying follow-up that's tied to the first question. The As you and – I don't know if we talk about this sometimes. It's like, hey, you're either going to be the play caller or Brian's going to be the play caller. And that's it. It's one or the other. Is this going to be like an emerging your involvement, especially during the week, right, may lessen, may increase, it, it, it's not, is it maybe not like a clean break? You make a decision one way or the other, but you are trying to figure this out during the course of the Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not going to be a clean break for sure. That, that's just not going to happen that way. But, you know, um, as things go along and the more comfortable I think we all feel, then then we go from there. But you know, we did that a little bit with Kevin, you know, my first couple of years here. You know, we kind of both were very much involved with it. So, um, you know, as long as everyone's communicating, everybody's on the same page, um, because, you know, there's certain lessons you have to learn as you come up and, and do it. You know, I, I went through it um, as a coordinator. I've done it as a head coach, you know, and 
Um, and so you try to share your experiences, you know, um, you know, I'll try to share my experiences with Brian on a daily basis and Justin Fry. Um, you know, both of those guys are very, very good. Joe Philbin has an unbelievable, um, you know, background of calling plays and, um, organizing offenses. So he, he really can help as well. And usually you're just trying to give them, you know, what you've learned, you know, the scars that, that have come up over the years. And, um, and so over, over the season, it'll continue to, to evolve and, how much and how fast is still yet to be seen. One last question, Tim May, Letterman Rowe. Okay, I'll just be a compound question. Uh, <laughs> you guys are beautiful. Starting <laughs> job uh, at New Hampshire. What were the thoughts that got you through that camp, uh, and how many of those thoughts were also had butterflies in them? Then, as the season progressed, I think at one point you had thrown eight touchdown passes, but ten interceptions or something like that, yeah. and they stuck with you. You understand what I'm saying there? In other words, once they made their their decision, they stuck with you. So, you know, I know that's like a convoluted. No, I know what you're asking. How important it is yeah. that once you get to that point, what gets you to that point, and then the confidence the coaches show in you when you're, you are going to have ups and downs. Yeah. I, I mean, at the ultimately, you just have to go compete. And I think I got myself a little bit jammed up early on with a little bit of, you know, trying to be perfect. And then what, what ended up happening is, you know, you start – making interceptions because you're worried about being perfect instead of just go and compete and play. And, you know, how it all shakes out, you got to prepare the, the best you can and compete as hard as you possibly can. And then the more you play, the more confidence you get, you know. And so but that's part of that's part of coaching, too, is the coaches bringing them along and building up their confidence that, hey, man, you can do this, you know, because there, there is self-doubt that, that comes in every now and again. You have to fight that. And there came that point. We saw it with Justin. We saw it with CJ. I watched the highlights of the 1999 New Hampshire team the other day. Uh, it, it got that way with you where you all of a sudden you were out there balling, as the old saying goes, right? I mean, when did that kind of evolve, and how important is it to get this guy to that point? Yeah, well, once you have a couple of games under your belt and you start to play and you start to believe in it, um, and, and especially when you can get the rhythm of the game, if you haven't played a lot, getting a couple of completions early, you know, like I remember that first game at Minnesota, the first call, we tried to get into, I mean, spent a lot of time on that first play for CJ. You know, it was like, it was an unbalanced. We moved the guy over just to throw a hitch and he completed it. Like, okay, we got that under his belt. Because, you know, all the, the thoughts that go through your head as a quarterback, and then once you find the rhythm of the game, your instincts just take over when you can stop thinking about things. And I think that's where, you know, the, the experienced quarterbacks, they know what to expect and they just kind of find the rhythm of the game and they throw and catch. Early on, you can, you can kind of talk to yourself a little bit and, and spin yourself into a, a tizzy and so that but that's part of the coaching that's part of bringing along a young quarterback which you know th- th- I think there's an art to it I think there's there's a part of that that you have to really consider when you when you're bringing somebody along how are you doing that you can't just throw them out there and expect them I've said this before coming out of the Oregon game we put too much on CJ that was too much for him you know we, we, we should have played better defense and run the ball we didn't you know he threw for over 400 yards that, that wasn't CJ's fault but, you know but he's getting a hard time, you know, um, after the game on social media and everything. That wasn't that CJ's fault. That was our fault. And that was a mistake, and you learn from those type of things. But I think that's all part of bringing along the young player. Yeah, you got it, guys. Thanks. Yep.